0: Welcome to the Cara's Cares Digital Show and Podcast. I'm Kara Sundlin. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. And we're actually talking about a pretty difficult topic right now, and that is suicide. With the recent suicide of Stanford goalie Katie Meyer, a lot of parents might be wondering what really puts their teens at risk, especially when kids seem to be great on the exterior. Dr. Laura Saunders from the Institute of Living is here now with more. Welcome, Dr. Laura. Thank you for having me, Kara. You know, it's not the first time we've had someone, this is a beautiful girl uh, who was at an elite university, seemed to be doing well. I was reading some articles and the mom was saying maybe it was because she was facing possibly a disciplinary action. And uh, it it, it doesn't seem to make sense. And we've had stories like that. So uh, what's going on right now with so much suicide among young people?
1: Well, I think there's several different factors to take into account. And we do know that, uh, unfortunately, rates of suicide have increased during COVID. Um, and there's a couple different points that I really want to hit on. And, and I think it's first addressing some of the myths, right? So first of all, it's a myth to, to, um, to say if, or believe if you talk to someone about suicide, you are putting the idea in their head. Very often, most often, if someone is in the midst of a serious emotional struggle or serious emotional crisis, it is likely, thoughts of suicide are are likely already in their mind. Mm -hmm. So asking someone, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you having thoughts of suicide? In fact, gives them a way to release that, those very powerful and painful uh, thoughts and feelings And, and find, you know, that means that you can now talk to that person because they were willing to ask that question. So, so talking about it is, is actually really critical or bringing up the topic. The other thing that I like to point out is that it's, you know, when it's may seem like it is a singular issue that is the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. But most often there are a multitude of factors that actually contribute to the risk of suicide.
0: Yeah. So we just think, oh, what was this one thing? Or, and like you said, it might be the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you find with young people, it's a certain degree of impulsiveness? Like, if they're lucky enough that it didn't work, that they regret it and and they don't really, they thought, I didn't think that much before it led up to it?
1: So what happens with um, adolescents, certainly children also, adolescents and young adults is they lack perspective. So as adults, we have perspective that we've had any number of negative or bad events happen to us and they were upsetting or devastating. But hopefully we learn from those experiences and, and, you know, became a stronger person. For adolescents and young adults, negative life experiences seem like the end of the world. They Mm -hmm. lack that perspective. So, you know, a, a, a recent or impending loss or crisis, it feels like the end of the world. And, you know, the loss of a primary relationship when you're 17 years old Feels like you'll never find someone again that you may love. As adults, we know that that is in fact not true. But they they from a brain standpoint, from a neurological standpoint, they lack that perspective taking. So, so there's while there's multiple issues, you know, there's life stressors, a prior history of suicide attempts, um, mental health disorders like depression or trauma, um, the. Impending crisis or loss, like I had mentioned. Um, Sometimes impulsivity does play a role, and impulsivity becomes more significant when it's mixed with substance use, because that is a huge risk factor uh, because you become disinhibited and then more likely to act on something that you had been thinking about.
0: And you say poor coping or problem solving skills. To me, that seems like an opportunity because you can teach coping skills, right?
1: We can teach coping skills. We can we can teach problem solving skills. You know, I always say, you know, school is and while school f- folks are way under resourced right now, um, but school's a, a beautiful opportunity to talk about and teach interpersonal skills and problem solving skills. Um, identify poor coping, what we call negative coping versus positive coping. So, I mean, even as parents and caregivers. We can talk about these things. Um, But, you know, many of our young people are experiential learners. Unfortunately, they have to make some mistakes themselves. They're not just going to listen to the adults in their lives, but they need to make some mistakes themselves, hopefully not fatal mistakes, Mm. um, and then learn from it. And that's how they integrate that experience.
0: We're going back to uh, the goalie at Stanford. I mean, she was athletic, obviously great grades to get into an Ivy League school we have a lot of pressure on young people, probably a lot more than we grew up with. Is this culture of perfectionism or pushing? Is that driving rates up?
1: I I would think that that's certainly a factor. And I think a lot of times for these young people, that drive actually comes from within. I mean, sometimes it comes from parents, um, but it comes from within. It, it's that, it's that you know, drive or, or it, motivation to succeed, but that it goes to an extreme place so that it, in what we call black and white thinking, like anything less than perfect is failure. Where there's a lot of gray in there, right? Mm. You don't need to get an A plus on everything or anything less than an A plus is a failure. That's in fact not true. And again, that's you know what we call a cognitive distortion. So really, you know, trying to, to look at the at the young people around us, look for warning signs, right? Loss of interest in activities that were previously enjoyable, lack of energy, withdrawal or isolation increased or unhealthy substance use. Um, Certainly making references to ending one's life, or I won't be here for that anyway. Um, You know, I'm not going to be here in the future, or doesn't matter what happens in the fall, I won't be here, right? So those kind of references make uh, you think, wow, this person is is not future oriented, um, and they may be struggling with significant depression and suicidality.
0: So there's also when young people talk in a way that makes, I think, parents really uncomfortable, and maybe it's coming from social media, but they'll just say, ugh, if that happens, I'm going to kill myself. Or, ugh, I wish I could, you know, and, and and you're thinking, well, I don't think I have a child who's suicidal. But they, they sometimes it seems that adolescents and young people almost minimize it. Um, and that doesn't always mean they're going to, but they could be saying something else, right? So what do you do in a situation if young people are? just kind of almost saying it lightly.
1: So I I ask, right? So you just said something very serious to me. So now I need to follow up. You know, are you saying to me that you're in a lot of emotional pain or you're very, very upset? Because that's what sometimes those words mean. Or are you saying to me that you really want to end your life? Because this is these are serious words and I need to take this seriously and I need to follow up with you. And I do think sometimes, uh, unfortunately, you know, Young people might say, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm just going to kill myself. Or, you know, I could I could just die if that happens to me. So, and and those are not a great choice of words. But if you listen to TV shows or TikTok, I mean, those kind of words come up. So it's a really important to follow through. What I don't want, uh, you know, lay people to take on the responsibility is for doing kind of a, a, an assessment on their own. If they really believe that their child or their teen or their family member is at risk, you really need to get them evaluated. And there's a you know, variety of different levels of care that we can look at to evaluate someone.
0: Right, and you've talked about that. You can just—I I wanted to just throw that out there—and we'll also put it up on the screen uh, later on in this interview if you happen to be watching instead of just listening in your car. But if you two one one or nine one one, or you say uh, young people, they can even text, and it's seven four one seven four one, which I didn't realize you told me is actually the numbers going down the pad. Um, right. So if if maybe a, a young person is listening and they don't feel comfortable confiding in an adult, like I mean, do you recommend that teenagers? call for their friends or get their friends to call well,
1: I really worry when other teens feel responsible feel responsible for a friend's uh, risk or suicidality. I mean, you really need to let an adult know and really need to get someone else involved in terms of truly assessing the level of risk. Um, there, you know, if, if someone is reaching out on their own, right, I mean, young people don't really talk on the phone, um, but there is a crisis text line 741 741. Um, and you you text hello and then you and then you can instantly get connected to someone um, if texting is easier for you than than calling. You know there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and you said you're going to provide that information. Um, so I absolutely encourage people to release this information. It is it is. Kind of a pain, it is a painful, painful kind of feeling to hold on to. So if you're a friend that finds out about another friend that might be suicidal, please let an adult know. And then that adult can then help access treatment. It's not being a bad friend to release this information. In fact, you're being the best friend that you possibly can be.
0: Yeah, and the number was just on the screen, but it's one 800 or 1-800-273-TALK if you can remember that. Um, so just once again, one of the things you said at the top was that it's not wrong to say, are you thinking of killing yourself? And that could be really scary to say. It might be really scary to hear the true answer if you're someone um, who loves someone who's thinking of this. But that actually just asking that question is helpful, not hurtful. Why?
1: because what it does is it is it releases the power of that secret so that person that's really struggling emotionally is holding on to thoughts of suicide as as a secret as something that is an additional burden to their already painful emotional feelings so releasing it and and knowing that the person that's asking you directly, are you having thoughts of killing yourself? Are you having thoughts of suicide? That lets you know that that person is open to hearing that information. And, And that's a starting point. As I said, I don't want lay people to feel like they have the burden of assessing someone's risk, but that's at least an initial opening to release the power of those very painful feelings and emotions, know that the person that's asking them is is a safe person to talk to, and that that person then will help you access help.
0: I read an interesting study that you know uh, because there have been some suicide warnings on some antidepressants that. Um, even those have been very, very rare, but some, some parents have been shying away from, oh, I don't want my kids on any medicine. Uh, and, and by all means, we're not pushing medication on this podcast. But I read that it actually, there was a curiosity of our suicide rates and things getting worse because of misinformation, that people are afraid to put their children on medication who may really need it.
1: Right. So I'm not a psychiatrist and I don't prescribe medication, but that's what's called the black box warning. So in that black box warning, um, it was based on some, some early research that has since been sort of kind of debunked um, with the belief that medications, some antidepressant medications could increase suicide risk. But in fact, what is true is that untreated depression, untreated trauma is far more lethal than any antidepressant medication. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist, I don't prescribe medication, but I work with these individuals all the time. um, And what we know is that untreated depression and untreated trauma is far more dangerous. So, you know, talking to a medical professional, your primary care or a nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist um, who's qualified to prescribe medication, um, if that might be an option, so, yes, you were right that that black box warning did dissuade a lot of people from medication and it that's very concerning because untreated depression and untreated trauma is far more dangerous than taking antidepressant medications.
0: So, I'm curious, we often talk about depression uh, and anxiety together, but I haven't had you I haven't heard you mention the term anxiety. Is anxiety which we know is running rampant does anxiety put you at risk for suicide or is that something different?
1: So and often anxiety and depression go hand in hand, um, and so you know depression is is considered a little bit more of a risk in that you know with depression comes you know uh, you know loss of interest, withdrawal, thoughts of suicide. But severe anxiety is absolutely debilitating as well. And as I said, depression and anxiety often go hand in hand. That because someone is so anxious, it It is debilitating for aspects of their life that they want to engage in. So, so I often use them interchangeably. So I'm glad that you brought it up um, because they're equal. They can be equally as difficult to manage for someone, especially when they feel they're on their own to manage it and they're isolated.
0: Yeah, and I know that there's a big crisis also of just having access to mental health care. Um, That's one of the reasons that you gave us the phone numbers. Uh, Suicide is maybe not something you want to be on a waiting list to get in to see someone like you for. So would you recommend if you're really worried about this, um, just call those numbers. Get that started. Or if you really are having a bad day, it's a weekend and and you're really concerned about your loved one, uh, you can call this number. It's on the screen again, 800-273-8255 or 800-273-TALK. Would you ever take someone just to the ER because you're worried about this?
1: Yes. So that's a a good point. I mean, whether you call 911 and have, you know, an ambulance or or medical professionals bring your loved one to the emergency room or you yourself bring your, your teen or your loved one to the emergency room, the emergency room is equipped is equipped with behavioral health professionals that can assess the risk of suicide. And at that point, they would make the determination about what level of care someone would need. If their level of risk is very high, then they might feel that that individual would need a hospitalization, inpatient hospitalization, inpatient psychiatric hospitalization, um, or they would assess the risk and, and look at another level of care. The reality is, is that you, we have an, Kind of an emergency-based system, so you get better access to care when it's an emergency, as opposed to being less than of an emergency. So, but it, if if it is an emergency, to bring your loved one to the emergency room or use nine one one to get them assessed, and then the behavioral health team in the emergency room will make recommendations based on that um, that assessment of risk.
0: And, and I want to end on a powerful and empowering note that. Um, This is all we are having this conversation because we want people to understand the risks to break the myths but there is light at the end of the tunnel so to speak right you deal with young people all the time that maybe felt like life was never going to get better and in fact with treatment with therapy do you see people really regain their lives even often be better than before.
1: Absolutely. And that's a little bit of that perspective taking that I talked about, that that when you work with young people, um, what you help them see is that while this struggle or while this stressor or while this loss may be absolutely devastating, you can develop skills to get through it. You are cared about by the people around you. And what we look for in those situations is, is protective factors, right? Your family loves you. You have goals for your future. You have, you know, at least one friend that cares about you. So we really try to emphasize the protective factors and the strengths that that an individual has and which gives them that perspective to realize that taking your life is a permanent solution to what is very likely a temporary problem.
0: Dr. Laura Saunders, always great advice, uh, coming to us from a premier institution right here in Hartford, Connecticut, but I know the Institute of Living, uh, is nationally known, so that's also a resource for folks to call the Institute of Living, but thank you so much, and just one more time, if we, I'll have our producers put that number up so I can say it. If you're listening in the car, uh, we encourage everyone to uh, get some help. And you can call 1-800-273-8255. That last part also, you can remember, talk, 273-TALK. Dr. Laura Saunders, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Please take care, Kara.
0: You too really important episode to perhaps listen to with your young people, you know, empower people of what to say and how to handle things. Uh, Often people wish they had this information before something tragic happens. Uh, You can find more information on Kara's Cures or you can watch on WFSB Plus. All of our episodes are here or follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I do post these there. You can even join the Facebook group uh, at Kara's Cures as well. Have a great day, everyone. Be well.